Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class. A short, only about a 13-minute or so Bible study, but every day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word and thereby helping us to stay spiritually focused in our life, better able to deal with all of that, that life throws at us every day. And boy, it throws a lot at us, doesn't it? It also helps keep us focused on our relationship with God and to grow in our faith because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. Share these short studies with everybody you can in your life. You know people who need to turn their lives around spiritually. Share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. You may help somebody get to heaven ultimately. What a great blessing for them, but also a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day with everybody you can. We're going to continue in our line of thought and study. We're talking about another one of those heart problems. Now, we've, we're not, again, we're not talking about our physical heart. That's, that's a medical thing, and that's physical, physiological. We're talking about from a more spiritual perspective. We're talking about our mindset. We're talking about our soul. We're talking about our morality. We're talking about our lifestyle, our conscience. That's our heart. All of that wrapped together, that's our heart. Who we are from the most profound perspective created in the image of God with a soul. That's what we're talking about. And when we see people living a particular lifestyle, that is a reflection of the condition of their heart, how they've conditioned their heart to then act out through language, through actions, through behavior. Well, We've looked at a number of heart problems along this line in this particular series of studies. We've talked about hatred. We've talked about laziness. We've talked about gossip. We've talked about worry. All of these being problems of the heart. And in this particular section of the study, we're talking, we're talking about unforgiveness and how crippling, how troubling, And ultimately, how condemning that can be for us as we harbor unforgiveness in our heart towards somebody else who seeks our forgiveness. And unforgiveness actually ultimately can be a product of not just anger, but of outright hatred towards somebody who has done something to us and we cannot possibly in our mind we cannot bring ourselves to forgive that person of whatever it was that they did against us but now think about all that we have done in sinful ways against god and all sin is against god there are things i don't i don't like to remember that i've done in my life but i've been forgiven because God has offered me that forgiveness through Jesus Christ, and I've come to him for that forgiveness in the way that he has laid out in Scripture. When those Jews on Pentecost were listening to that gospel sermon preached by Peter, the apostle, on Pentecost, as the church came into existence, and he was was pulling no punches, he was laying it down like the rubber meets the road, as as, as we like to say. 
He was convicting them and convincing many of them of their sin in having the Son of God, their Lord and Savior, crucified on that cross. And so some of them said, what what should we do? What must we do? And Peter responded quickly, repent. You've got to turn away from that sinfulness in rejecting your Savior. You've got to come to him. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. I've done that. Now, I've continued to make mistakes along the way since becoming a Christian. I've continued to commit some sins. I'm sorry for those. And so I've continually gone to God in prayer in the name of Christ and repented and asked his forgiveness. God is gracious. He is merciful. He is forgiving. He wants to forgive. The apostle Peter wrote in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9 that God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you're harboring unforgiveness towards somebody in your heart, refusing to forgive, then we've looked at Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture that tells us you cannot expect God to forgive you. You want to be in heaven. You don't want to be in the eternal condemnation and punishment of hell. You want God's forgiveness. Jesus, the apostles, God's word repeatedly over and over and over again says you must be forgiving yourself if you want to be forgiven of your sins by God. One needs only to note the abundance of Scripture that emphasize how Christians should deal with others in regard to forgiveness. The Apostle Paul instructed the Ephesians, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32. Now, similarly, in his letter to the Colossians, Paul wrote, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13. Notice the strong warning of potential condemnation from James when he wrote, Do not grumble. Another translation, grudge not. King James Version. Murmur not. American Standard Version. Against one another brethren, lest you be condemned. Condemned why? For your grudge that you won't let go, for your murmuring, speaking against somebody, maybe the idea of gossiping about them behind their back. 
lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door, James 5 and verse 9. It is certainly difficult to conceive of forgiving a brother in Christ against whom another brother continues to grumble, to hold a grudge. Perhaps no text is more emphatic on the need for Christians to maintain the right attitudes toward and relationship with one another than that written by the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 through 23. Now, we're not going to take the time to read through that extensive text, but I encourage you to do so. 1 John 3, verses 10 through 23. But let's take an excerpt. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3, verses 14 and 15. John not only deals with the potential, with the potential existence of outright hatred, which equates with murder, between Christians, but he also condemns the simple absence of love between them, which he may equate with hatred. I wonder about that. Notice his further admonition in verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. While some might be slow to see a connection between hatred and unforgiveness, suffice it to say that hatred in one's heart toward anybody, let alone a brother in Christ, would naturally preclude his extending forgiveness to that brother or that individual. We can never allow ourselves to maintain such a mindset and harbor unforgiveness towards somebody who needs for us to forgive them. Now, we need to understand also that seeking forgiveness needs to be preceded by repentance. But we need to always, as the one who needs to extend the forgiveness to somebody who has sinned against us, we need to always have that heart, that mindset, that readiness, eagerness to forgive. When Peter was asked, what shall we do on Pentecost? The first word of his response was repent. You've got to turn away from the sin. Repentance means literally a change of mind, but inherent within the understanding of that change of mind is a change of action, a change of behavior that is the result of that change of mind. Repentance needs to be there, but we need to always be ready. We want to forgive Now, ultimately, God is the ultimate forgiver. But we need to reflect his willingness, his desire, his eagerness to forgive. The basic message that Jesus preached during his public ministry was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 4 and verse 17. And at one point he observed eating with many tax he was observed eating with many tax collectors and sinners. Matthew 9 verses 9 through 13. 
when challenged as to why he would allow himself to be in such company with tax collectors and sinners, Jesus stated he came to call sinners to repentance. Verse 13 of Matthew chapter 9. And on another occasion, he emphasized, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Luke 13 and verse 3. To further stress the necessity of repentance, he repeated that instruction in verse 5 of Luke chapter 13. You might harbor some feeling of inability to forgive somebody who has sinned against you. Maybe they haven't even expressed any sorrow for that, any request to be forgiven. But if you are unwilling to forgive, then you need to repent of that unwillingness because God can hold that as a condemning sin against you. You see, again, we are not to follow the standards of society and culture. We are to be the standard for society and culture. We are to set the example, not follow their example. Remember, we're to be seasoning salt. Matthew 5 and verse 13. We're to be shining lights. Matthew 5 and verse 16. We need to be ready to forgive, eager to forgive, as somebody seeks our forgiveness. We need God's forgiveness. Let's pray. Help us, Father, to have a yielding heart. Help us, Father, to repent of our sins and seek your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And help us, Father, to have a heart of love and compassion and mercy, ready, eager to forgive others who might sin against us. Help us to be that shining example you want us to be, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.